Hey everyone, Tony and John here bringing you King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. Uh, something big, something extraordinary happened on Tuesday. It was, you know, talk of the town. Uh, Anjali Ranadive is now the assistant general manager of the Stockton Kings. <laughs> isn't, isn't that the big news this week? Yeah, no, you know, I mean, if I can... Uh... If I can rack my brain here, I think there's something else that happened. Um, uh, man, I can't. I don't know. I think it was something about Demontis Sabonis's uh, wardrobe. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, no, Do you like that vest? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he definitely dresses like he's a confident, good athlete and a good, you know, whatever. And so good for him. You know, what can you expect? Would I wear that? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I. I don't know if I could pull it off, but. You know what? I'm not taking that away from him at all. But I think um, if uh, I think that reminds me of what the news is, um, which is the Kings landed a top four pick. Of course, it was just the fourth pick, but it's the it's a top four pick. It was crazy. It was, yeah. it was nuts. You know, yeah, I didn't expect Huge. that. <laughs> I didn't either. I mean, I thought I thought we were going to be eighth. Honestly, I thought it was like we're just, yeah. just going to get the eighth pick. We're going to it's our best odds. I just last couple of years, I don't think I think we stayed right where we were. So I'm just like, this is this is where we're gonna be. But um, yeah, when Portland got seventh, and you saw Damian Lillard's face, he's like, oh my god! And I don't, I really don't know the exact reasons why we couldn't pick sixth or fifth. But so we automatically jumped in the top four when that happened, mm-hmm. and. I mean, I really would have liked to get top three. I mean, of course, I would have liked to get number one, right? But, I mean, top four is awesome. It's kind of an interesting pick because it seems like the top three is already kind of decided. You have Holmgren, you have Jabari Smith, and then those seem like the top two right there. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you have Paulo Banchero, um, which leaves kind of like an an uncertainty for that fourth pick. Um, it's a little scary. I see a lot of um, I see a lot of chatter going around. It seems like the three candidates on a lot of Kings fans' minds at the moment is between uh, Ivy, um, Shade and Sharp, and um, Keegan Murray. So I don't know. It's just it's almost like I want to get that top three so you can just get one of those three guys that were mentioned already. It's like, it's the right pick. You wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't, if, if they turn out to be a bust for some reason and be like, yeah, well, he was like the obvious third pick, right? It's kind of like DeAndre Ayton going number one. It's like, yeah, he's over Doncic, but he was the obvious number one pick. So you can't really like fault him for that. But um, I mean, it's a big decision, but I mean, it's still great. We're going to get a, very talented player from this pick, or maybe even get a talented player from a trade. I don't know. What What are you thinking about this pick so far? Well, I think there's a lot to be said, considering you pointed out, you know, the, the, the clear um, picture here, which is the top three seems pretty set, regardless of what order that goes in. And it puts the Kings in a weird position. And so I think there's a lot to be said about potentially trading back. Um, in some form, uh, I know that I think like, uh, a couple teams have a couple picks in the first round, you know, you could do something like that, or maybe, you know, pick up a NBA, you know, proven talent somehow. But I mean, just to talk about, you know, actually picking in that position, you know, uh, it, it gets interesting because you have kind of like Jaden Ivy and Shaden Sharp. Those guys seem like they have a lot of upside, but it's like, ah, do the Kings really need to, is that, is that exactly the Kings need? And then Keegan Murray, I actually really think like Keegan Murray is, he he doesn't have like a lot of like bad thing. You don't have a lot of bad things to say about Keegan Murray, but it's like, is it a reach at four to get him? You know, like, isn't there better talent than him? 
So it, it becomes a difficult situation. But, you know, if if they trade back even a little bit, you know, or whatever, I mean, trade back into the middle of the round, there's still a lot of good talent in this in this draft that I think you could you could get, you know, mid first round if that were the case or whatever. Um, I feel like it's going to be scattered throughout. So it should be interesting. And also, I guess, you know, if one of those top three picks doesn't get picked in the top three and it slides down, I mean, uh, did, is, is that something where, because obviously if Jabari Smith falls to the Kings, like the Kings should take him. Um, I, I guess if Holmgren fell to them, they should take him as well. Although I'm not really sold on long, skinny guys like that. I just don't, I don't know how that holds up. You know, I feel like one of the things that you, you know, aside from like character and work ethic, one of the sure things that you can get from a draft prospect that you have to pay attention to is, is, is body type. And I don't know, man, I, I just not a hundred percent sold on that ceilings high, but I'm not sure. And then Bancaro, I'm, I think he's really good, but like fit wise with the Kings, like he's a playmaking big man. Is that just kind of a Sabonis reboot? Would it play well with Sabonis? I am not 100% sure. Um, though he is probably um, one of the more NBA-ready talents in the, in, the, in the draft. But I'm not sure. I don't know. It's interesting. It, I don't know if you wanted to talk about any of those three guys that would most likely be available at four or any one of the three that's considered top three that might slip a, you know, a pick or two back. Um. I could see if any of those top three slipping back would be Paulo, Bancaro. Um, I don't know. It just seems like Smith and Holmgren are the obvious number one and two picks um, between them. Bancaro, yeah. He, he, I mean, he would be probably, of those three too, he probably would be the worst fit to plug into the Kings considering yeah. Holmgren and Jabari Smith are center slash power forwards who can shoot the three really well. Um, and of course the Kings are looking for a stretch big with Sabonis on the team now. Um, and of course they have a ton of other potential upside. Um, but I mean, bank care wouldn't be bad. And uh, that's where I think you kind of fall into like, what's Monte going to do? Is he going to continue doing best player available? Which I mean, I'm assu- at this point, I, I mean, of course, more stuff can come out uh, after the combine's uh, finished. But like, if Bancaro is going to be the third after the combine, and he somehow or somehow falls to the Kings, right, and he's the best player available, you just still grab him. Um, you know, I mean, there's Keegan Murray, who yeah. has been talked about for you know fourth pick now. If Bancaro and the other two are gone, um, he's a power forward, can stretch the floor a little himself. And then you have Ivy and Sharp, who, you know, Ivy's just an extreme talent or, you know, athletic specimen who can jump out of the gym and can't really, you know, not the best shooter. He's been working on it a little, and it'd be interesting to pair him up with Fox, just like another explosive guy off the shooting guard. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he has a tremendous upside as well. Then you have Sharp, who's kind of interesting because he hasn't played, um, he hasn't played. He didn't play in college last year, and so, but he's kind of like a very upside kind of guy, but kind of more of a like a project to work on, and so a little more of a risk with that, of course. So, it'd be a lot of interesting interesting choices at the four, um, but I, I'm more intrigued with how McNair is going to draft. If it's going to be the best player available, and maybe, you know, I don't know, like. Smith and Holmgren, they're. I'd be amazed if they dropped. Um, but I don't know. I just there's a, there's going to be a lot of options at the four where you can say that's not the wrong pick, or it's like okay, well, like Murray, like Murray seems to fit the most obvious. Like we need a four stretch four. He can fill that role really easily. He seems like the obvious choice for fit. But then you're like, okay, best player available. Like maybe that could be Shaden Sharp, who has a very high ceiling, and you can really work on him to be like a star in this league. But is he? You know, do you want to take that risk on a player like him? Um, I don't know. That's a, that's why it's kind of tricky being in this, in this four spot right now. And like with the three, you're at, 
yeah, you're at a threshold. Yeah, you know, yeah. Between two different, completely different realms of the of the big board. And I mean, I know I said that four. I I mentioned it's it's just a thought that maybe four is a reach for someone like Keegan Murray. But I don't know. I mean, if you have the fourth pick and you're going to use it, that's not a bad pick to go with. You know, mm-hmm. he scored like twenty three point five points a game last season in versatile ways. He's a very smart defender who can guard multiple positions. You know, he has playmaking ability. He can shoot the three. He shot 39.8%. He has a good jumper overall. He's energetic on both ends. Um, You know, uh, he's got, he's got a a good, good finishing kind of ability, whether he's cutting or um, gets the ball in transition. He's got confidence. I mean, there's really like he's kind of just fills all these these aspects and like character wise it's pretty high. I mean like I really like Shaden Sharp because what he's been doing has been impressing uh, at the at his pro day at the combine he really impressed people with his abilities. But I guess the big question with Sharp for me is because I think Sharp honestly does have the talent to be a top five pick. Obviously him and Ivy do. The ability for them to score is just incredible. Um, but. Uh, with Sharp, I guess the question is his character. You know, like, what exactly are you getting with him? You know, he didn't play. Um, and I think in a CBS draft thing, they said that the people around him, like, wanted to protect his status as a projected top 10 pick. So they didn't play him in college, which I don't really understand. Um, that's always a question mark. And there's, like, some high character guys in this draft. And I feel like that's something you got with. You know, that's something that McNair went with with Halliburton and um, Mitchell. You know, those guys have uh, good attitudes, good work ethics. Um, I think that that's something that he's probably going to value. And so I don't know unless they they get to know Sharp. I guess that's what it's going to it's going to you're going to have to threat, you know, uh, unpack that whole situation because you just don't really know. But, you know, it's like you can't really risk having drama and stuff like that that's just no good i mean that's not the only reason marvin bagley was a problem but it's like it just it just makes you shake your head it's just nonsense um and then the ivy thing the 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 kind of like double barrel shotgun of fox and ivy that would be fun but again it's like i don't know fit wise it's like i don't know if that's exactly what you need um because they can already score like crazy um so, I mean, that's why I kind of think Keegan Murray just, like, it makes sense or trade back, you know? Because, like, even if you can – I don't know. I haven't really thought too much about specific trade back scenarios. But, like, you know, you get a situation where I, I think sh- if Charlotte wanted to trade up or something like that, because um, they have, uh, I think, a few picks in the first round. Maybe I'm making that up. Um, I might be making that up. But, you know, there's there's teams out there where maybe you can land yourself in the middle or something like that and get, like, like, because it's, like, it's just too early to pick a guy like Oche Agbaji or, like, um, who's the other guy I like? I like um, uh, Jeremy Sochan because that would be – Sochan would be really cool because he's a Baylor, really good energetic defender. I feel like that would be awesome to pair him up with, like, a, a Davion Mitchell type thing. And Agbaji is just a good three-point shooter that can that can play defense, good size, could play both wing positions. I mean, there's like a lot of talent, I think, in that, like the wing position area primarily in the mid part of the draft that I just can't help wondering if trading back might actually just be better um, and see what other kind of compensation you can get for it. Because there are going to be teams out there that want to go out there and get a chance to get Jaden Ivey or Shaden Sharp. I mean, the Detroit Pistons pick right after the Kings, and everybody's saying that Jaden Ivey would be absolutely perfect for the Pistons. You know, they need athleticism, they need scoring, uh, a good pair with Kate Cunningham. That you know, it, it might be appealing for a team to slide up into four to get him. Um, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure. I guess yeah, that takes a little bit more thinking. We just got the draft order the other night, and. Um, you know, we'll have to see. But I don't know any any thoughts on that at all, uh, the trading back thing, or any guys in the middle of the first round that are projected. Yeah, I mean, just trading the pick in general, I'm not opposed to it. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, we have like we were just talking about a couple of minutes ago where we, there's so many options for the Kings at that four spot. It's hard to, you know, at this moment lean like heavily one way or the other between like Murray or Sharp or Ivy. Um, you know, if you can trade back and someone else is really set on one of these guys, like you said, the Pistons, you know, just trade back, get a couple, you know, other pieces in that trade, obviously. Um, you know, get a pick still and let them make the decision, I suppose. If the Kings aren't really set on any of these guys and like, oh, you know, it's kind of like what the what the Celtics did with Markel Fultz and Jason Tatum. They're like, well, we don't really want Fultz. We want Tatum. Sixers really want Fultz at the one, so we'll just give them our pick and then like swap picks and we'll take their pick the next year. I think that's what happened. But yeah, I think just trading the pick, I mean, that brings obviously moving into the top four brings a lot more trade value than, you know, even the seventh pick. And the top five pick is huge. It doesn't come around very often, as we know as Kings fans. So, um, I mean, if you're going to trade it just straight up for like without getting another draft pick back, you need you need like a starter at least, right? You need an NBA mm-hmm. starter at the very least. Someone that's going to really push the needle, um, you know, to put this team in the playoff contention. It'll, mm-hmm. I don't know. But they, that's always, that can always get tricky too because the trade packages have to be so complex because you're not going to be able to just trade a pick for a, like a good player. And yeah. Ah, it's just us. It's always such a pain in the neck, you know. Um, but yeah, I guess it does always come down to that, but it's like, man, it's, I guess that's going to come down to like the last, I feel like it's going to come down to the last few hours, if not minutes, you know, you just have to see what the heck's going on with those first couple of picks. Um, Yeah, probably. And I mean, you're talking about like Keegan Murray, he just makes sense for the Kings or those other guys you mentioned in the, you know, late or in the late first round, mid first round who would make sense on the Kings. I I think that just brings it back to the conversation of like best player available or fit because the last two years we drafted guards, right? And with Darren Fox signing a max extension, we draft two guards, interesting picks. Everyone turned out to love Halliburton and look what we turned Halliburton into, right? Um, We turned him turned him into DeMontis Sabonis and uh, you know Mitchell is now playing an important role off the bench looking like he can be a great defender in the league um, if you don't think Sharp or maybe Ivy would be ideal for this team at the moment I mean it's just something that what McNair has done with the best player available it's just like you kind of just have to forget about fit in a way at the moment it's like okay they can develop this talent really good I'm thinking about a little further down the line. Maybe he fits in well. Maybe he turns out to be really good like a Halliburton and Mitchell, and then you can flip him for like another player that can fit this team like Sabonis did with Halliburton in the Halliburton trade. So um, that's just something else to think about. I, I don't know. That, I, I trust that's a great. That's a great argument to draft Jaden Ivey or yeah, Jaden Sharp. Exactly. I mean, um, I, mean I, I think – Maybe it's a weird position, the four pick, but it seems like it actually has a lot of options. Um, we'll see how flexible those options are, but I mean, there's a lot of potential to to do different things. And the ball's in their court, which I mean, that's the good thing about McNair being there beyond just his ability to ultimately make a draft pick is the fact that, you know what, he, he seems like he has a clear idea of what the heck he wants to do and how to go about it. That you know, he he has a lot of uh, freedom to, or I guess he has a good opportunity to really kind of make the most of this. I mean, uh, like you said, I mean, you just have to kind of trust what's going on. I mean, and uh, for once, it kind of feels like that kind of the the, the the trust is almost like more than expected. It's it's bountiful at this point because this is such a such a lucrative position. Yeah, and there's a ton of course and there's been a ton of pressure to win and make the playoffs over you know the last 10 years really but i 
and I think a lot of people are expecting it's like all right top four it's like you can't mess this up like you need to get this guy um who's gonna you know take this team to the promised land or um you know or help him take him to the promised land or trade the pick for a player that you can bring in to help us you know make that make it to the next level <laughs> going back to the best player available it's like if you like you get an ivy or a sharp and they don't fit in with the team as well i mean yeah i there's, i don't know and of course i want to win right now but if it's going to be better for the long run to get like an ivy or a sharp and maybe even turn like do what we did with Halliburton and turn him into someone else, or maybe just or maybe he just fits on the team. I think you have to take everything in, into consideration. I think you just can't be you know so so focused on what's in front of you. You still have to think about the long picture. Um, we're given a great opportunity moving up in the draft three spots into the top four. So it's just such a big decision. And I think just so many people just like, all right, this is it. This is where we're going to get, we're going to get our guy. And I think that's when you like start thinking about fit or maybe, I don't know. It just gets a little more cloudy. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm down for best player available. I guess that's my decision. I think that has worked for us for the last two seasons under McNair, the last two drafts. It's worked out very well so far. I don't think, uh, I don't think we should mess with that really. I try. I mean, unless he really thinks fit or Murray is going to be better, because um, Murray seems like the best fit. And then I don't know. I just I just trust McNair. Yeah, I think we just based on what you're saying, I feel like you're almost the two likely chances is either the Kings would take Ivy or Sharp or trade back with somebody else and uh, having those two guys in mind to get the fourth pick. Um, I I don't know that. I, I just there's no reason to believe that they would take Murray in that position, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, I guess, because I think you're right. I think just based on the fact that it served so well um, the last two years with drafting players, um, just not even like we said last week, just keeping it simple. Just, just go with who, who's there, you know, don't even don't think about it too much, you know. Um, of course, the Kings are trying to be a playoff team. Uh, they feel like they're on the precipice of that. And so oftentimes what do playoff teams do, because they're, you know, and usually they're drafting later in the, in the first round, obviously. But their mentality is always like, how can we improve our chances to win a championship? What's the best fit usually? You know, they're not, yeah, sometimes they're going for a long-term project that has a high ceiling. But a lot of the times they're going for, how can this guy help my team? And, and I don't know if the Kings should be – I think you're right. I don't know if the Kings should be thinking that way um, at such a, such a high position in the draft. I don't know if that's really the right way to go. And I don't think, like you don't think, that McNair is going to think that way. So I just don't see it going any other way. It's the, That fourth pick is going to involve Jaden Ivey or Shaden Sharp or you know uh, one of the top three picks if they were to slip one, one spot or two. Um, you know, it's going to involve them in some capacity, whether it's the Kings picking them um, or uh, somebody else. And if the Kings pick, you know, Jaden Ivey or Shaden Sharp, um, I'm not so sure, I guess, about Sharp as I would be Ivey, but you could probably start Ivey right away and you could probably get huge production out of him. But uh, I don't, again, it gets, you, you, you can't help bringing up that, that, that question of fit, you know? So, I, it, if I was a betting man, and I don't know if this is necessarily the right decision, I'm not saying it's what I think they should do, but I would almost bet that they they trade this pick in some capacity, you know, because I think it's just going to involve Ivy and, and Sharp. And while I do think that you like you make a good point, they could flip them later, or they could flip another guy. I don't want to say names. I don't want to <laughs> mess with fans' uh, emotions, but um, you know. Uh, it's an interesting thing. I just, I, uh, it's, it gets interesting because once you start to funnel it down, it's, it starts to make sense that it's going to revolve. That fourth pick's going to revolve around that, um, you know, top talent type thing. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't know. And if, if you draft, you know, at the top four, who knows when this rookie or this, you know, this draft pick is really going to start producing at the NBA level. 
um, or if ever. And, of course, Sabonis, he's on a contract that ends in two years. Um, I mean, most rookies aren't, you know, game changers their first season. It's pretty rare. Um, even their second year. I mean, who knows? Anthony Dave or sorry, Anthony Edwards had a huge sophomore year this year. And John Morant was a really, and you know, Morant and Williamson were really good sophomores last season. But I mean, once the bonuses contracts up and maybe, you know, the rookies are still getting their feet, you know, under them for the NBA. And you look back and Sabonis, I don't know, maybe he doesn't want to come back. And you think back, you're like, dang, we should have traded that fourth pick for this guy. You know, maybe they're, because that fourth pick, it can definitely add to the win now scenario if you really want to. Um, Because you can get back a solid product that will obviously help now. So I think you have to think about that as well. Um, because a rookie, like a rookie, he's not going to just start producing and throwing up 20 points a game. If Ivy can do that or Sharp or Murray can do that, I doubt it's going to be in the first year, maybe the second year, but you know, and it, yeah. And just to, just to, just to, just a little add in there. It's with Ivy on the team. It's just like, how much would you be able to space the floor with Fox and Ivy out there? Yeah. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's a problem. I really don't think that would be a good fit. That's why I really do believe. Because once you funnel it down to the fact that I do think that it's going to center that, that those top five picks, you know, I don't know if Murray is as much in that conversation league-wide as Shade and Sharp and Jade and Ivy with those top three guys. Um, so I just think somehow that's going to work that way around those guys. And I just, it, just based on what we're talking about here, it just doesn't really make sense for, for um, uh, the Kings to go after Ivy. Maybe Sharp. I mean, like, I guess we should maybe shift more to Sharp because I do think, like, Jaden Ivey, um, you put him in the NBA on a team with good shooters and you allow him to just go downhill and get to the rim. Like, he actually might be able to score 20 points a game. I don't know how many games you're going to win where the rookie is your best player, but he could. He could be. I think he has that ability, um, as I understand it. I don't really know anything. I don't think anybody knows anything. But from, you know, based on what you under, what you can read, um, in terms of his explosiveness, his athleticism, and his ability to get to the rim in so many different ways, uh, with a spaced out floor, that's a that's a good opportunity uh, to do that. But you know, I think we should shift the conversation almost to Shade and Sharp because, I mean, he's explosive as well. Um, he can create create his own space. Um, he he's far more of a gifted shooter, um, off the dribble and catching and shooting. Um, at his pro day, uh, he had he showcased excellent sh- uh, footwork and an, and that excellent shot I was talking about. Um, and he's he has the physical tools to be a disruptive wing defender. I think is what ESPN wrote about him. Um, with solid instincts uh, and smart and capable in terms of playmaking and passing. Um, and it's just I guess with him it's just that question mark. And I think that if you were I guess you know. The second thing I would bet on behind them trading the pick, I guess, would be using the fourth pick on Shaden Sharp. Because actually, if that ends up working out, obviously, I don't know that he would be, I don't think, actually, that he would be the starting two um, off the bat. But and he probably may be more of a kind of a raw product that, like you said, might you might not see him really produce a whole lot until the second or third season or whatever. Um, you know, I think this this the one thing about him is it's just a kind of a question mark, and again you have to leave that up to McNair and the front office because they'll do the interviews and they'll do the vetting process of whatnot and get a, a feel for the guy. Um, but if that all checks out character wise and he seems like he's all in to compete and in you know uh, be a team player for the most part, you know, <laughs> I guess I don't know if every athlete is a hundred percent a team player all the time. But you never know. Um, uh, you know, if they if that if that all checks out, you know, he actually would be a pretty good option at the four pick, you know, or the fourth pick. Um, I don't know. That, it's kind of that my little word salad there on Shaden Sharp, <laughs> the guy, the man, the mystery, the enigma. <laughs> you know, your no, guess is as good as mine, people. Uh, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Like Sharp, he has you know just as much as of an upside as Ivy does at, you know, they're both shooting guards who are good athletes and 
but Sharp maybe will be a better fit in the future on the Kings, um, which I totally get. And, you know, Sharp's a very intriguing athlete, or um, he's an intriguing athlete, and he's an intriguing prospect in this draft um, a lot because, you know, he didn't play in college this year, and he's just such a raw product. So, like you said, it, everyone's guess is as good as ours, and we're just trying to make it all make sense. And so what the Kings might do with this pick um there's just it's a lot of options with this four pick especially um with it being a you know it's a good draft class but there's definitely a top three that seems pretty um pretty obvious and it's like all right now what do you do with that fourth pick so it'll be exciting mcnair's hit twice that's why i think he'll do best best player available still um who that best player available is we don't know yet. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. It's just, it's just very interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded it still, uh, moved back in the draft or even just traded it outright for, you know, a guy who's going to help this team out mm-hmm. right away. So, which wouldn't be a bad idea either. I mean, sometimes it's safer to go and, you know, trade a player who's actually proven in the NBA instead of, you know, working on a guy who could, be what they say you know it's a bust so Mm -hmm. it's just just a lot to think about of course we'll have more to talk about on the draft in the coming weeks Uh, when's draft day is probably like june 24th or something you know i think it's the 23rd 23rd one day off so we got a month combine you know is happening so lots to look forward to a lot of new stuff to learn from these prospects and maybe we can have a better idea of who McNair will take out the four or what they might do with that fourth pick. But I don't know. Do you, do you have anything else to add on the draft? Essentially? Um, you know, I, I, I guess the one transition here would be what is the one example of, uh, the Kings or a, a recent example, I should say a recent prominent example of the Kings trying to get cute and going with, fit over talent or you know upside or ranking uh the fact that the the kings did not draft luka Doncic, um you know i think with him <laughs> going to the western conference finals i feel like that uh it's always worth kind of bringing up <laughs> yeah i mean it's funny because in that draft class i know luka was um the obvious number two pick but someone i really liked was trey young i really wanted the kings to get trey young even though we had fox already um but i mean both of those guys who got traded for each other which is so funny because it was you know a pretty fair trade at the end of the day i think Doncic is a little better but trey young he's a really really good player in, in himself but and i mean he's in the they both made the conference finals the last two years and Where's Bagley at? You know, he's on the, he got traded, he's on the Pistons. A little full of himself. I mean, it's kind of disappointing in Bagley because I think it's just just those injuries. I think he could have been a good player and he had a pretty good rookie year. He's a rookie, you know, all first team, 14, almost, I think, 15 points a game. I think think it was like 14.9. Like eight point five rebounds off the bench, like he was showing that he was probably going to be a good player in this league, and then he just couldn't stay healthy after that. And so, um, I mean, of course, that categorizes him as a bust, as it does Greg Oden. But now watching Doncic lead the team into the conference finals and just be a you know. Like he's been a top five player for the last two years now, and just taking the Mavericks to the next level, it's <laughs> it's uh, definitely hard to watch as a Kings fan. What, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I feel like from the perspective, kind of just the basketball perspective. I mean, what the hell are you gonna do? I guess you can't. I mean, you can't go back and change anything. Um, I guess you could. It can hurt you. I mean, the the memory of it, but it's like. I don't know. There's isn't there a positive that Bagley's not on the team anymore? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a big positive that Bagley and Buddy aren't on the team anymore. It, you've basically flipped Bagley to, to land Dante DiVincenzo. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I mean, you do what you can. I mean, like, uh, I, I, I guess things are going to always haunt you in sports. That's just kind of the way it is. Um, it's so... Um, it's so objective in its results that um, it's hard not to get haunted by things. Um, but, you know, what the heck are you going to do? You know, um, it's interesting coming off talking about the draft for a little bit there. I mean, like, you got an opportunity to do something here. Um, you know, sit back and appreciate the good basketball and just believe that you're going to... And I get that Kings fans, it's, it's difficult for a Kings fan to be like, oh... We're going to be there in no time. We're on our way, you know, because even when you do think that, you know, um, you, 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 you find you find a, an unpleasant surprise pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, what the heck are you going to do? He's playing great basketball. It's going to be fun to watch him against the Warriors, um, which I know some Kings fans aren't probably too stoked about that being the Western Conference Finals. Um, <laughs> matchup, Doncic. The man that got away in the Warriors, the guy next door that became hot over the course of one summer or whatever the deal is, or you know, yeah, right. Um, and uh, you know, like it, it, shoot, man, I don't know. I guess you kind of have to laugh at it and just appreciate kind of what the things outside of just being a fan of a team. I mean, um, it, it's interesting. I know. Kings fans probably are like, what the hell is this guy talking about? What the hell? But, you know, I don't know. It's just that it, it, things happen, I guess. And, um, you know, Kings have their own thing going on right now. And uh, they'll just have to go out there and prove it, you know? Yes. I'm a Kings fan who doesn't dwell on this Doncic pick whatsoever. Honestly, I... I and I, it's almost like he's not on our team. And even though we could have had him, it's like we don't have him. Like, I don't care. I don't I don't look at Dantich and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this is the guy we could have had. I'm just like, I don't know. He's he's a maverick to me. He's always been a maverick. Um, and I get it. It's like, well, he could have been a king. Like, yeah, he, he could have been. And a lot of people could have been kings. Really? Um, I know he was an obvious number two pick and he should have been picked. But he wasn't. I, don't know, I, guess, I think it's just one of those things where it's like I moved on with it a long time ago. I just nothing I can do about it. There's nothing anyone can do about it. It was a mistake. What am I supposed to do? Just watch this guy and just be upset every time I see him yeah. succeed. And it's he's gone. I mean, you look at I mean, just a ton of people the Kings passed up. You can look at Curry and say the same thing. You can look at Giannis. You can look at you know a million people in this league who the Kings pass up on. And be like, oh my god! Like, look at what he's doing. It's, you know, I mean, like, what are you gonna do? How how? Where does this end? I mean, like, what are you gonna start being like, man? The Kings, you know, like, what if Jason Tatum goes to the finals and wins? You know, are Kings fans gonna go like, man? You know, yeah, the, the Kings, the Kings should have just, uh, they should have been the one, you know, you know, trading up to go get Jason Tatum. You know, like the Kings should have done this. Like, not even thinking about things in a logical sense like where does this end people are just gonna are you just gonna sit there and bitch and complain the whole time i mean like come on it's, it's ridiculous i mean like i get it because it's like it just seems like the final straw um yeah but that was is. that was just that was such a bad moment of the organization in terms of it being run i mean that was like its lowest point um and i don't know like i, I don't want to it's it's just I don't want to be this guy, but it's like, you know, it, it you have to like just to kind of appreciate what you have now, and uh, it, it's it's just it you know that's more true in re other things in life, but I mean that can be true for sports too. I don't know why people can't just be satisfied with what they got, you know. I mean, I know it's the off season, so there's a lot of time to think, but what the hell, um, things happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, the off season you know, for us, not for Don. Like enjoy, like take a moment, enjoy watching basketball from a standpoint where you're not, you don't have a dog in a fight. Just watch the game. That's such a that 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 is always a nice refresher. I feel like you know, not to have a dog in a fight, just to be able to enjoy the the, the beauty of it. You know, um, 
Just take 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 all that out of it. Just enjoy what's going on. What the hell can you do? I mean, like, what 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 what, what can you actually do to change it? Anyways, you know. Yeah, just it's, relax. It's, yeah. You, you just have to come to terms with it. Like everyone does, and it's going to take longer for other people, and then you know, it's just different per person. But we definitely urge those who have not gotten over the Doncic not being on the Kings fiasco, if I can call it that. Um, you know, it's just it's time to move on. It's we, especially now. I think there's just. With Fox and Sabonis, and I feel like I say this every week on the podcast, we just, I think we have such a good groundwork and it's exciting. We have an all star. We have a potential all star in Fox. We have a new coach. You know, we have a competent GM. Uh, like, I, I, I think the Kings can, you know, we have a top four pick. We have the fourth pick, top four still. Um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff to be excited about on our own. And yeah, you know, we can always think about what what could have been, right? But you, it doesn't do anyone good. And it's time to look at the future. Time to look at the now. Um, and yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. And you know, yeah, like what you said, enjoy enjoy basketball. You know, and just enjoy the game without your dog in the fight. It, it is refreshing because you know, <laughs> I mean, it sounds so stupid because of course I'd want the Kings to be right there, but um you know in the conference finals but it definitely adds on it like a added stress i suppose i don't know i don't think that's a very good reason but i mean it just it is refreshing to watch basketball just to enjoy the game without i guess the kings being in it sometimes it's just a different experience that it's definitely enjoyable yeah. on its own and like you said the 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 outlook on next season should provide that you know window of relaxation just to let it go for a second. You're in good hands for the most part. Yeah. You know, you got to just kind of roll with the punches and see what, see, see how it plays out, you know? And uh, if Luka Doncic wins a, a NBA championship or whatever, you know, that, that, you, that, whatever, that's good for the, good for the city of Dallas, you know? What the heck can you do? Yeah. Um, nothing. Good for the country of Slovenia or whatever. You know? Yeah. Who cares, yeah. you know? Right. Did you see? I don't know. Did you see the like some people were trying to say Luka Doncic was drinking a beer before the game? No, I didn't see that. Someone like turned it into TMZ, but it ended up being like a year old the picture. So, you know, hell. But I mean, like, you know, what are you gonna fault the guy if he's drinking, having a few beers before the game? You know? I know. Doesn't. I mean, it's not it didn't work for Chris Mullen. It didn't work for Chris Mullen, but maybe it works for Luka Doncic. Chris Chris Mullen did that. I think he, I think either when he was in college or early in his career, I think he had an alcohol problem. Interesting. So I shouldn't make fun of that. I don't know why I'm laughing, but <laughs> I love Chris Mullen. He's one of my favorite players in history. So Chris Mullen, the, the almost coach of the Kings, if he was almost. dumb enough to take it. Almost. Oh, man. Oh, but man. Um, kind of talking, you know, we're talking about some of the, you know, the top four pick and who McNair might draft and, um, you know, Doncic being passed on by Vlade, another GM. It's uh it's a contract for for McNair, right? And I guess kind of going back to this top four draft pick, how how important is this pick into what might happen with Monty? Like I think I mean I think he should get extended. He just hired his coach, right? So mm-hmm. but I don't know, what what if he just I don't know. How, how important is this pick for um, this extension to happen? Well, first of all, it, it, it just uh, kind of as a preface to this, it is interesting because Mark, Mark Stein reported earlier this week that um, the Kings head coaching candidates were, quote, told uh, that team officials are counting on a Minnesota-esque surge in the standings year one after a league record 16 consecutive seasons out of the playoffs. The Wolves went 46 36 uh, in uh, Chris Finch's first full season, uh, end quote, yada, yada, yada. Um, so, and it, it was a, a, a big reason why it was kind of a turnoff to some coaching candidates, maybe Kenny Atkinson's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that they weren't fully committed to a full-time committed partnership. And as Sam Amick reported, you know, um, I think a day later, maybe the same day, 
um, you know, he pointed out, you know, Brown signed a four-year contract and um, McNair, it's, you know, there's no sign of an extension. There's no talks of an extension. So, um, you know, that, that, that whole thing is, is I, obviously, I think that there should be a matchup there, like some kind of like, because you're talking about continuity. I feel like you're risking, you're just throwing that principle out the door by, you know, trying to shift here, you know, from one foot to the other, when you should just be kind of like walking straight with both of them, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, the, like, I, if, if they don't want to do that, then the pressure, I mean, the, the pressure is on for McNair. Um, it's on more than ever. I mean, you have to you ha- you have to make sure this team gets into the playoffs. Now, that doesn't mean that the pressure is going to be too much. He's in a great position, and he's shown that he is capable of doing it. Um, and I'm sure that the contract he gets, if he does get them into the playoffs, will be you know a, a nice little raise. Um, but they're putting the pressure on, and I think it's it's you know, I think ultimately it's a sign that they're that that the organization's serious about this getting the playoffs. But I think it's kind of a, it's a risky move because what if it doesn't work out? Cause Brown is going to be coaching this team for more than one season. Pretty sure. You know, he's not and barring some disaster that is directly attributed to him. Um, he's going to be coaching for at least one season, you know, even if he doesn't make the playoffs next season, you know, McNair may be out, but Brown's going to be there. And like I said, that risks continuity issues. Because then, like, what if you bring in a new GM? I mean, like, I don't know what's going to happen at that point. I don't know who's going to be involved in bringing in a new GM, who's going to be making those decisions. Um, it, it also might prove that, you know, because McNair serves as kind of a, and this is kind of my main point, Mc, McNair serves kind of as a, he's kind of a figure of the Rana Dive less decision-making. The, 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 where the, the kind of that adults are the, the adults are making the decisions type kind of thing. McNair represents that. So if he gets fired or he doesn't deliver and gets, gets let go or doesn't get extended, um, that is automatically concrete proof or evidence that Ron Diva can say like, Hey, look, I do need to be involved in some sense. Like I can't just leave them to do it all on their own. Maybe he doesn't have resume the role that he once did and just puts in a kind of a, uh, a, a dummy like Vlade Divac um, in a, a kind of as a, just a loyal kind of a, a kind of cover or fall guy for him. Uh, you know, like maybe it's not to that degree, but he might get the idea that he needs to be involved in some greater degree. You know, maybe that doesn't work out. McNair doesn't work out. And then it screws things up with Brown. And then Vivek gets even more empowered to be like, well, maybe we should have hired Mark Jackson and all this stuff. And, you know, <laughs> I just, I just can see how this can spiral out of control. And I just think it's important that if you're really going to, if, if Vivek Ranadive and the organization is really going to just let the front office do its thing, I think it's kind of important to make, it's not a full-blown commitment, but just to kind of like not make it seem like the backs are up against the wall. Because what happens if, I mean, I'm sure he's not going to get fired if something is completely out of their hands. Like if Sabonis, Fox, and like another couple of guys just get hurt and there's just no chance to do anything. I'm sure that everybody will be fine in some degree to some degree, but you know, I don't know if something crazy like that's going to happen and all sorts of things can happen. And that means that the job is in no way safe. And I think that just, there's nothing, you know, I think just with Rana Dive being there, you just have to remember that things are just never safe. <laughs> you know, they're never a hundred percent safe. Um, it's just, it just seems like it can really turn into a mess. Yeah, I mean, n- nothing's ever safe. Ron and Dive owning the team. But I would be amazed if McNair doesn't get an extension uh, to his contract. It's, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's done really anything wrong so far. He's like he's mm-hmm. drafted well. I mean, the, the the two things you can really point out from McNair is that he's drafted well, which is a breath of fresh air from Vlade, right? It's like... Oh, from the it's whole a, Kings. I mean, like... Yeah, like, very true. Like Tyreek Evans and DeMarcus Cousins, like, back-to-back years, what the hell happened, you know? It yeah. Fucks. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, it is a breath of fresh air. And then you bring in 
Sabonis. And not only do you bring in Sabonis, you choose the direction and where you're going. If you're going to actually do a full-scale rebuild or like a more of a, not necessarily win now, but setting you up in the direction to succeed in the near future. Um, I think I just said that in just extra words of win now. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that was important. And it wasn't like some stupid move by like, all right, we got Jeremy Grant, like, win now. It's like, no, we got like a two-time All-Star who is 25 years old, two years left on his contract. Um, someone who might be interested in say, staying in Sacramento after, you know, his contract is up, depending on, you know, obviously what the Kings are doing. So, I mean, other than that, he his off-seasons have been kind of boring. He didn't really bring in anyone at all. And he hasn't really signed any free agents. Yeah, it's hard to sign free agents. Um, and maybe even he could have fired Luke Walton last season, last offseason, instead of, you know, bringing him in, calling this a playoff team, and then firing Walton like 19 games into the season and then not having like a good head coach to replace him. I mean, of course, Gentry was going to be the interim, but. I think you could have done better than Gentry if you started the head coach search last offseason instead. Anyways, um, but I, I mean, overall, I think he's been good for the sake of continuity and for, you know, like he hired his head coach. You can't, you can't bring, you can't fire the dude who just brought in a head coach because then that just bring in the question when you get the next GM and Mike Brown doesn't succeed. It's like, oh, well, you got to fire him. You got to let the GM bring in his own coach, right? Mm hmm. So just, just seems like so many possibilities. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, Mike Brown, he'll be coaching. Hopefully, like you said, he'll be coaching at least one season. Hopefully it's all four years. Um, unless he just really sucks, I guess. But <laughs> I, I mean, it could happen. Like Walton, I don't think Walton should have finished off his contract. Walton was awful. Like he was, Walton just wasn't good. Um, right. He should never have gotten that job. Mike Brown seems like a little more, you know, due diligence was done or did. I don't know. Um, and in this hiring where Walton was just kind of picked up because Vlade wanted him or maybe Vivek did. So they hired him without interviewing anyone. At least Mike Brown, there's like a process. Mike Brown is actually a, you know, established coach in this league who has a proven winning record. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I would be I, at the end of the day. I'd be surprised if McNair isn't extended. And if he is, I mean, what does that say? Well, who, I mean, like you finally get a competent GM and you fire him. Who would want to come yeah. here and be a no, GM after that? Yeah. Cause you know who he's going to hire at that point. He'd be his fucking daughter. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's, that's why the extension hasn't been made yet. Cause now Anjali is I mean, uh, like, <laughs> She's I don't know if you can. You, I don't know if you can nail that down as the exact reason, but I, it's definitely a theory that it's not disprovable. You know, <laughs> it's just like, geez, man, it's just like, ugh, like when all that comes out, it's just like this. This pressure might be a bad. This all this added pressure might be a bad thing on on McNair at the end of the day, and I don't think it's going to affect his decision. But it's just like, the, I guess, less so the pressure and. More so what you're saying, the lack of commitment to the partnership between the front office and the coach. And I don't know. I don't know what lies ahead. But there's, again, it's kind of just like, you know, there's all the possibilities of how things can go wrong. And there's also just all the possibilities of the stupid things that the freaking organization run by uh, Rana Dive can do. And uh, I don't know. You know, it's just, it's almost like this news, just uh, <laughs> the news, kind of the, the Sam Emick report about kind of just the added pressure, the significant pressure, as he put it on McNair. And he, you combine that conversation with the fact that Vivek's daughter's got the Stockton Kings GM, assistant GM job, or should be reporting directly to the, the GM down there. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just feel like it's like, Again, it's like, you know, the Kings have, the, like you said, they're in this great position. They got this good opportunity next season to be good, the fourth pick, all this stuff. They have a, a, a off season ripe with opportunity. 
but you know, there's, there's always something, and it's just like, man, it is, it is blatant. It is not subtle at all. It just hits you right in the chin, and uh, it's it kind of makes me laugh. But I can, I can only imagine the horror that uh, is felt throughout Sacramento. <laughs> Do you, it's almost like it's just it's kind of funny because I just watched Winning Time, um, that show on the Lakers, and like kind of the rise of their dynasty. And so he, it's like it's like almost reversed, like the buses where you have Vivek Ranadive, who just is awful. You know, he's just a terrible owner. And um, he, it's like almost like he, he's making his daughter the assistant GM. So one day she can move up the ranks and when he's done owning the team, she'll take over. It's almost like that. It's like the reverse because it's just going to be like the it's going to be a shit show for the next like 40 years where like the buses are like you know, bringing championships to LA every other year, it feels like. And <laughs> that's just what it seems like to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, when, when, when she got the, when she basically moved into the primary ownership, like in 2016, 2017, you know, she brought in like the magic Johnson, you know, magic Johnson in as, you know, president of basketball operations. And then there was like that whole, like that was all weird and terrible. But, you know, I think the one thing that I always keep in mind about her is the fact that when they were hiring their GM, who's Rob, uh, what is it, Rob? Palinka? Yeah, yeah, still the GM. Uh, he When they were hiring him, they didn't make the fact that they were interviewing public. They didn't make that public knowledge because she was in a, she didn't want to let her brother know because the siblings were in a legal battle regarding the ownership of the team. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. Are you setting up for I just this kind of like dynasty kind of like right to the throne, you know, for, you know, no pun intended with the Kings. Um, you know, it just doesn't, it just, I don't know. Like I said, you just can't help thinking now. You can't, you sometimes you get, you start thinking about all the good things and then quickly you start descending that staircase and it never ends. And you just keep thinking about all these things that can go wrong and all these fantastical things that seem so un. Prob- improbable but at the same time seem very probable considering who you're dealing with which is NBA owners particularly Vivek Ranadive I, I don't know man it's just it's weird it's strange yes uh, very strange is a word probably thrown around too often in this with this franchise but you know Kings fans just you know just roll with the punches they say that's what they've been doing so <laughs> not the funnest thing to do but um i mean i can't stress enough that we have something good we have something good building and let's let's hopefully it all comes to fruition and kings fans you know like like we were saying just to try to enjoy the western conference finals and all that just try to i know it it is your your team and everything like that but this is good this is an interesting moment in the offseason it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this pick what they do with the whole offseason what they do going into next season Try to enjoy it. You might be able to look back at this and say, this was a crazy, that was a crazy big moment. That was really, you know, we, we really like planting the seeds of something great, you know. It's, there's a good chance that could happen. And so, like, try to, I, I, would, I would urge them, urge you guys to try to, try, you know, give that a shot. Yeah, I mean, we could be looking back, hopefully, at the last, last offseason season. You know, the Kings weren't in the playoffs. Maybe in like 30 years, we'll have a 30-year playoff streak. It's like, oh, man, remember 2022 offseason? Like, dang, so long ago. It was the last time we weren't in the playoffs. You know, yeah. fingers crossed, right? I mean, I know that's not. <laughs> or you go, nice. you, you turn your playoff drought into 30 years. You know, you go another 14. You look back at 2022, you'd be like, damn it, you know? I was that... so high on my fucking optimism that I... Yeah. <laughs> It's like those are the easy the times that was coming our way, right? It's like, ah, or even just like, ah, that was just, that was only sixteen years. Like they, like old, you know, old Tony didn't know how easy he had it. <laughs> when yeah. he's 30 years. sixteen. These kids these days. Yeah, right. <laughs> Come on, man. Or those kids, those kids those days. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, hang in there, hang in there, Kings fans. It, it's, it's fun times ahead. Fun times ahead. Nah, I like it. That's uh words to live by this off season. But um do you have anything else? I think that's it, you know. Um, okay. 
it'll be interesting to see what happens next season, you know, hiring Mike Brown and all that. You know, if they don't do well, it's going to it's gonna turn into a Mike Frown pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're ending it with that. So, ah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone, uh, Tony and John here bringing you Kingstock. Uh, thanks, for jo- uh, <laughs> thanks for joining in, and until next time.